So we are live on Facebook. If you would prefer not to be seen on Facebook, I would recommend turning your camera off unless you're part of the panel because that wouldn't really work too well. <laughs> I mean, you can if you need to, but um, I hope you'll keep it on. So I am Dr. my joke, Megan. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I'm Dr. Megan Miller, and this is our difficult discussion that we have every month. Um, I am going to do our little introduction of what difficult discussions are. And then each of the panelists are going to introduce themselves. So um, welcome to difficult discussions number seven on inviting autistics for conference presentations. I am Dr. Megan Miller, as I already said, and I'm pleased to be welcome to welcome tonight, uh, Mari, Jeff and Mary, Dr. Mary Reagan, um, she's in Mississippi. I believe, and they're having really bad tornadoes there right now. So she's actually in a shelter situation. So she's not joining us, but she did send over some comments. So I'm going to try to include those as we go through our discussion. The purpose of difficult discussions is to bring together people with different perspectives and different identities to share their perspectives on a topic that is typically considered taboo to discuss seen as controversial and or as well accepted, but maybe should involve more critical analysis and discussion. We will be talking about how each of us have navigated inviting autistics for conference presentations. We're not here to discuss specific people, agencies, or incidents that we have encountered. We ask those of you watching to engage with this discussion in the same way. Any comments made in the chat that reference specific people, agencies, or incidents will be deleted. The format for these events is as follows. Um, number one, none of the panelists directly respond to anything the other panelists say, except in part three, or if we have time at the end. Two, part one is each person will briefly share any identities they are comfortable sharing and indicate what they want to discuss, why they wanted to discuss this topic. Part two, each person will provide about a five to 10 minute explanation of their history and perspectives with the topic. Part three, each panelist will briefly reflect on one thing said by one of the panelists to share an aha moment or something they hadn't considered before. Part four, each panelist will share a closing thought about the topic. This might be an action item or a key point they want listeners to carry with them. The views and opinions expressed in this difficult discussions video are those of each individual person and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any affiliated company or professional organization. Thank you to everyone who is joining us for this live discussion. Please remember that each of the individuals sharing within this discussion are sharing their own personal stories and perspectives. And we expect everyone to be treated with respect, empathy, compassion, and civility. We will do our best to monitor the chat and anyone who is engaging in a manner that is not respectful of the discussion, that does not demonstrate a commitment to listening to learn, sharing perspectives, and or is focused on making people wrong, will be removed from the chat. So welcome to our panelists tonight. Um, I, I will do my introduction and Mary's real quick. I'm just gonna pretend to be her. And then um, Mari or Jeff, you, you all can introduce yourselves. So um, I'm Megan. Question number one is to share any identities that we would like to share and why we wanted to discuss this topic. So um, I give pretty much the same introduction every time. I'm a cisgender woman, white, neurotypical heterosexual mother of a five-year-old and I'm a behavior analyst. This topic for me, we, um, it was actually suggested by one of the panelists and I was really on board with discussing it for a couple of reasons. One, a lot of people are planning conferences right now. So I thought this would be a good time 
to explore, you know, what are some considerations we should be making around this. And two, I don't plan a ton of conferences. I do a lot of professional development events, but I'm not involved in like a state organization or anything like that right now. But I have had opportunities where I'm either invited to present or um, we're planning, you know, like a one day conference type event for some of our professional development. So for me, it's really a learning experience, um, an opportunity to get to um, hear some perspectives on like, what are some things we should be considering and maybe some do's and don'ts. I don't have as much to share on this particular topic as some of the previous ones. Um, Mary, if she were here, would say that she is a cisgender woman, white, neurotypical, heterosexual, and a behavior analyst. And her pronouns are she, her, and hers. And the, one of the main reasons we had Mary, we had invited her is she helps organize the conference for the Standard Acceleration Society. So she was going to be sharing some of the work that they're doing there. So Mari or Jeff, did one of you want to go next? Go for it, Mari. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Um, my name is Mari Serda, and I am an indigenous mestiza autist. I'm a wife, a mom of three, and I'm also a behavior analyst. And um, why this topic? Um, I was really honored that Megan um, asked me to join. And I, I feel like this is a good starting point as far as bringing autistic voices into the professional realm of conferencing. Um, but I, I definitely think it's something to have dialogue about. And I'm Jeff. Um, I am an autistic uh, cishet dude. Um, I uh, have been involved in, geez, uh, advocacy work in the autistic and disabled community for uh, closing in on 20 years at this point. Um, and as why I wanted to speak on this conversation is uh, I wanted to uh, it was really important to me that uh, we set people up uh, that, you know, as we platform and elevate voices, uh, set them up to map, make a lot of the same mistakes that uh, a lot of people get set up for. Um, just with stuff about telling, telling people stories and being heard and being valued. Uh, so we'll definitely get into more of that. Um, you know, another thing I think is relevant to uh, this, uh, you know, why I wanted to participate in this conversation um, is I, I have a lot of experience doing this. I've put on a lot of conferences um, and a big part of my day job uh, is working with, I, I work in leadership for a large organization providing disability related services and a huge part of my job is teaching advocacy public speaking and how to change the freaking world so that's why I wanted to be here. Thank you Jeff and Mari. Okay so our first like real question I guess that was the real question our second question is um, what is each person's history with inviting autistics for conference presentations and um, this one, it's kind of mixed depending on your background. So if you're um, being asked to present at conferences as an autistic, to share your perspective, is that something that's happened for you? 
Um, have you organized any conference presentations to share autistic perspectives? What would you want conference planners to know about inviting autistics to share their perspectives at conferences? Don't have to answer all those questions. You could answer completely different questions. Those are just some of the things I thought of for discussing our history with um, looking at having conference presentations that include autistic views and perspectives. So Jeff or Mari, did one of you want to talk first about this? Are we flipping a virtual coin? What do you think? <laughs> Sorry, I was actually trying to find my cursor, like it disappeared and I could oh, not I love when that myself. Happens. <laughs> so it was like a brief moment of anxiety. I'm, I'm good with either one. Uh, Jeff, it, I'm, I'm happy to start if that works. Um, uh, go for it. So I, I have not really had a lot of experience putting on conferences, really more my role has been in presenting, but interestingly, um, I've, I've never been asked to present with the intended purpose of providing my autistic perspective. Um, I will kind of give a little background. Um, I, I was late diagnosed um, right after college, and so um, I, I have not always been very open as far as self-disclosing that, especially right now, um, finishing up my PhD, I'm, I'm doctoral candidate status, and my committee has no idea. I mean, they might now, I don't know if they're even watching, um, but I, and, and I hesitate because I've made it this far, that's kind of been my, my mindset, and so I'm looking at it more of, I would urge caution because I have experienced, you know, that kind of that academia world that goes into conferences and having experienced even just like the racism um, and, and the sexism um, and, and not even directly experiencing maybe the ableism because they weren't aware. Um, I, I, I worry um, and would urge caution that when we, when we start thinking about inviting autistics to speak with the intent of it being sharing our perspective that we we really start to, to consider the the ramification of that for the individual in the future especially if they are in the world of academia um, and then you know how do you how do you plan for participants listening to that to 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 kind of regulate and monitor and I don't want to say tone police but it's, it shouldn't become a forum for debate or even attacking this perspective. And I would worry because you have one minority voice, one marginalized voice in a room full of people. Um, and I've seen how a room full of people can even attack some of our, our more prominent analysts in the field. And, you know, I just, I don't want it to become a throwing people to the wolves kind of situation. Um, and then it, it, for me, speaks to a, an even greater issue of that's, that's a start, that we're including autistic voices at conferences. But I would hope that we continue and move beyond that to let's include autistics in the actual research that's being presented at this conference. Um, you know, let's, let's get them involved in the world of academia in some productive way if we're really truly being honest about learning from this community, you know, I, I don't want it to look performative. You know, I don't want it to be a, well, okay, we checked this off the box. We got our token Audi and we're good to go, you know? And then also 
the the analysts that come out of these universities that I that you know, and I and I'm not speaking ill, but just the things that you experience as a, as a student in some of these universities, especially if you are from a marginalized group, some of the analysts that come out of these universities are not very open to their thoughts and perspectives being challenged. Um, and I and I don't know how you know conference planners would navigate that. Um, and, and allowing a space for philosophy of thought and diversity of thought um, and it and it maintaining a positive um, perspective and outlook, you know, and, and not becoming something that that becomes a traumatic experience for the individual. Um, but I would be I would personally be nervous um, based on just my own experiences to share my perspective on that type of platform. Thank you so much for sharing that is such such great insights, especially with that current student <laughs> doctoral student viewpoint and perspective. I think a lot of us kind of forget what um, what it was like to be a grad student if we've been out of school for a little bit, too. So that was helpful to hear. Um, Jeff, do you want to go next or do you want me to read Mary's comments first? Uh, I, I'll jump in here. Um, okay. So I, I wanted to lead into this conversation about uh, sharing a little bit of uh, my personal experience with, um, with getting into public speaking. Um, and this happened, uh, you know, 20 years ago, an adult autistic person uh, was kind of a novelty. Uh, there simply were not many of us out there. And so as soon as I uh, started really engaging with that identity, uh, people wanted me to speak all over town. Um, and I was more than happy to do it. It felt very validating. Um, but the first thing that happened is, um, like, one of the things I found is that people only really wanted me to talk about how bad my life was, uh, and didn't really have any interest in me talking about ways to make that better or being involved in the conversation other than just being, you know, being the person that uh, would, would be the curiosity. And like so many things, um, there's actually a phrase that was coined to describe this phenomenon and it's called self-narrating zoo exhibit. And Jim Sinclair, who if there is any disabled advocate that I would just give any, you know, meet my hero, uh, Jim would be Jim would be that person. Um, he has wrote and written so many tremendous things uh, that have just given me words to really, really think through what 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 I'm feeling. Um, and that was one of the phrases he came up with, uh, uh, being a self-narrating zoo exhibit. And I'll tell like the best example of what a self-narrating zoo exhibit is uh, that I have personally is, you know, I, a couple of years in uh, of doing public speaking gigs, I'm kind of shifting from just, hi, I'm Jeff, I'm autistic and this is my life to really, really getting into, really getting into, um, you know, taking on some of these bigger challenges. So I presented at a uh, statewide conference for educators um, 
there was several hundred people in the room full of uh, teachers and psychologists and yes, BCBAs uh, and presented for a solid hour and 15 minutes and uh, effective transition supports for employment. Talking about navigating ADA, or navigating ADA uh, what somebody's rights are, how to request effective accommodations, how to get those accommodations enforced, and how to know the letter of the law to be able to quote chapter and verse of what reasonable accommodation under the law gets to you. Um, and, you know, to be frank, I kicked ass at that, uh, at, at that presentation. Um, and so the last 15 minutes are for questions and open the floor up for questions. And the first question was, hey, so um, what legal and illegal drugs have you taken and which ones of them helped your autism? Uh, and the second question was somewhat on topic. Uh, the third question was, hey, do you have sex? Uh, and the fourth question was um, something about, uh, it, it was about, can you talk about how you toileted as a kid? Um, so that is, that is an example of people expecting you to be a self-narrating zoo exhibit. You're not there to talk about your expertise, your profession, your knowledge. You are there to answer invasive questions. And so, you know, a lot of people in this audience were very confused that I was actually presenting on a topic and not doing that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna read a quotation about uh, kind of what Jim Sinclair and a few other people have said about being a self-narrating zoo exhibit. One of the most common reactions to an autistic person is to ask questions about autism, including extremely personal questions. While most of us understand this reaction, we also perceive it as treating an autistic person, not as a person, but as a dehumanized information source or a walking Audi textbook. It is not the curiosity that most autistic people object to. It is the expectation that we are obligated to answer and the constant and sometimes impossible nature of the questioning. Autistic people have lamented the tendencies for others to interrupt our discussions of human rights or other political topics in order to ask us about toilet training or sexual histories. Check both boxes in one, converse, in one presentation, in my case. Uh, this aspect of the self-narrating zoo exhibit phenomenon has caused many autistics to give up mentioning our autism altogether in some contexts to avoid the inevitable barrage of questions. Um, sometimes it is easier for us to be heard if we don't actually disclose that the reason we know all this stuff is that we're autistic. Um, so if there's one thing you take away from this conversation, please take that away. Don't, don't put somebody in that position, um, you know, and, and recognize that some people are going to expect, some autistic people, if you ask them to present, are going to expect that that's the kind of performance you want, is for them to only talk about their personal life and not about their expertise. So, you know, some, some bullet points of things I would tell you as you're thinking through how to have a really good, uh, empowering uh, conversation at a conference setting that is platforming autistic people is first and foremost, 
uh, make sure that we have a seat at the table in the conversation and that we're actually involved with crafting the future, have that be the conversation, not just, you know, not just tell us about your life. Um, treat us as colleagues, not just as people that are going to regurgitate our professional personal life experience. Um, we're not here for your own validation. Uh, so what this means is if you're platforming advocates, um, they should, it should be so they can have their voice heard, not just to act as advertising for you. Um, if they're acting as advertising for you, pay them, put them in an ad. <laughs> um, and you know, what goes hand in hand of that is advocates need to have narrative control over their message. Um, and so I would really think really carefully about um, what types of things you are steering somebody towards uh, that are acceptable or not acceptable for them to uh, talk about in a conference setting. Um, and if it's, if it's on topic, but doesn't really reflect super well uh, with, you know, if you're uncomfortable with it because maybe it makes you look bad, well, maybe swallow that discomfort. Um, so something that is really important, and, and I know Mari uh, touched on this as well, is tokenism. Um, you need, 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 need a diversity of viewpoints, backgrounds, and culture. Uh, so usually this is going to involve the, the safest way to avoid a lot of tokenism is to make sure that you are inviting multiple people with lots of different viewpoints. That said, those viewpoints should be generally reflecting the, you know, majority opinions and viewpoints of um, the, the community at large. Uh, so an example I give is... Um, like, hey, if the majority of the community does not agree with X uh, and, all of, and all of your speakers do agree with X, uh, that's not very representative. Um, or if you're, you know, another thing that happens is, is people start to be aware of, hey, all of my speakers don't, you know, if we're talking the autistic community, you know, there's, there's a bunch of majority opinions and it's fair to debate, you know, whether the validity or, or you know, it's maybe debate is not the wrong word, but offer up a variety of viewpoints, uh, that's fair and should happen. Um, but but if those if those viewpoints aren't representative, uh, then then they aren't really rep then, then it isn't representative these people are not representing their community you have probably set them up to be tokens uh and so like if you have um if you've set it up so even though x is the majority opinion of the community but you've got like five people on your panel that believe y and you just have the one person that uh, is a proponent of X and is going to get shouted down by everybody else, that's not really fair. Um, and that's presenting a really false narrative of what where the community's at. Uh, an example is um, you had a climate change panel um, and you had like seven people on the panel um, 
in seven people did not believe in uh, human-caused climate change. That, that's kind of the same stuff we're doing. And you know, to call it the elephant in the room, uh, majority opinion uh, in autistic advocacy is that there's a lot of stuff going on in ABA that causes real concern. Uh, so if people aren't talking about that, then that's probably not super representative. Um, so if you're asking anybody from a marginalized community to come present, you have a responsibility to take reasonable steps to make it a fair and supportive venue for them to be heard. Um, if it is, if it's a situation where they're just going to get dogpiled by the room, um, then you have a really, really important responsibility to make sure that is exactly what they're signing up for and that they know they're coming to hostile ground to fight. Uh, and if that isn't the intent, don't set things up like that. Make it a space where they can be heard. Um, that's, that's really important. You have that responsibility. Um, don't set up power dynamics where they're not gonna be considered an authority. This can take the role of, you know, if they're the only person presenting on this panel uh, that does not have an advanced degree and everybody else is outside of the disabled or autistic community um, and holds differing viewpoints and isn't gonna make the space, you have set up a probably pretty toxic power dynamic and they're probably not gonna get heard by the audience. Um, and, you know, the final thing I will say on make it a fair and supportive space is uh, make sure that you're making space for minority opinion, uh, as long as you're not misrepresenting it as majority opinion. And don't let, don't let other people on the panel, you know, engage in dogpiling against somebody that has minority views. Um, I think I really strongly feel that one of one of the ways that we hash out a lot of the questions of how do we move forward involves having back and forth conversations. Um, they just need to, they need to represent where the community's at, um, as opposed to give people wrong ideas of where the community's at. Um, you know, some of my final bullet points, um, don't set people up to make other people the heroes in their own story. Um, like, so this can happen a lot in uh, speak that disabled people are asked to do where they're they are asked and expected to heap praise uh, on somebody in their life that helped them and not really always get permission space to actually talk about their accomplishments. Instead, they're expected to talk about their accomplishments as if it was the accomplishments of the hired help. Uh, this professional that was the miracle worker and um, and you know, there's plenty of story of where we have had tremendous people in our lives helping us do stuff, but it's still our accomplishment. And so, you know, people deserve praise where it's fair, but, you know, so much of this, the person isn't centered in it. It's the hired help that's really centered in it. Um, and finally, don't ask people to debate their humanity. Full stop. Um, and I say full stop, and then I'm going to keep talking. Um, what do I mean by debating 
your own humanity. Uh, I'm talking about things like uh, expecting people to engage in a debate over the relative merits of listening to disabled people in their community if you're involved in providing services to disabled people. Uh, this includes saying, rebutting uh, people's concerns with harm uh, by saying, but it's really effective. Um, this includes just not including people in feedback and conversations about their own life uh, and yet expecting validation and saying it's okay. Those, we don't, there's, there's some of these things that don't rise to the level of debate. We are human beings. We deserve to have space made for us in this conversation and we're gonna can continue demanding it. So that's my spiel guys. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I put a few comments in the Zoom chat that were coming in on Facebook Live and I'll read those. I think we'll have time at the end, but um, I just wanted to make sure we didn't lose them. First, I'm going to share what Mary's notes were for tonight. So um, again, Dr. Mary Regan, she's with the Standard Acceleration Society. So she had in her notes for this question, I have planned and continue to plan conferences where I invite autistic speakers to present the first conference I planned where I invited an autistic to speak, the topic was part of a broader social issue. I thought it was important to have their perspective on that issue. I am involved in planning another conference this year where the topic is autism, and I think it is vital to ensure that autistics are involved to share their experiences with the particular topic. It is important that the speakers talk about real issues that are meaningful to them. I do not want to invite a certain speaker to check off a box. For the conferences that I have planned, I have been extremely fortunate to have a lot of volunteers on different committees to assist with the conference in all steps of the process. One of the things I wanted to ensure in the organization is that to help several presenters. The committee that I work with gives me a potential list for each conference that I can review and used to begin the selection process. For invited presenters that are paid honorariums, the presenters are paid equally. So she touched on that as well. Um, for my answer to this question, I for, for the history piece of it, I, I haven't had much of a history yet of inviting autistics for conference presentations. I've definitely been learning quite a bit over the past year and I'm working with someone right now to hopefully plan a conference for 2022. And we'll be doing pretty similar to what Mary described in creating the conference um, with having various people to help with that process. So it's not just myself and her. Um, we, for, I have had experience in the past, I'm just not currently doing it with a like a state organization and conference planning. And I think in general, whether it's for, um, including autistic perspectives or anything else, that diversity that Jeff was referring to, um, the process that we followed was just really to, everyone sort of just threw out names. <laughs> and of course, we're only gonna generally throw out names of people that we've seen in our circles and things like that. So I, um, I think, you know, doing more research, if you're part of a conference planning committee, making sure you're doing the research, like looking up conferences that are happening, especially outside of our field, probably in disability studies or autism advocacy, or if it's autistic perspectives that you're trying to highlight, 
um, and making sure you're getting that list and really understand what the different topic areas are and, and what the areas of expertise are for the, the different people so that you can contact and have a more better thorough understanding of why you're inviting the person in the first place. I would potentially argue if you're just reaching out to someone because you heard they're autistic and they like to speak at conferences, you probably haven't done all, all the work that needs to be done on that. That sounds pretty tokeny to me. Um, it should be, uh, you're creating, at, well, at least for me, I'm focusing on trying to create connections and just get to know people right now so that as I plan events, um, I have a better understanding of who I'm talking to. And I might not even be the people that I'm building connections with. Those are happening organically. I connect with people, not because I'm like, ooh, I might want them to present at a conference in the future. I connect with them because I genuinely want to get to know them. And then I found I've been able to either brainstorm with them ideas about conference planning or presentations, or we might, there might be something happening where it's like, oh, you have expertise in this. Would you like to talk about it? Um, and then one of the other things I think is really important that I've learned, not again, specific to, to autism, but just with some of the different events we've been doing for Do Better is the importance of creating a space where it's clear what the ground rules are. So you're protecting the people that are sharing their perspective. So whether you're doing a, um, a panel where the point of the panel is to, to share perspectives and help um, you know, give different insight, and that's what everyone in the panel has agreed they want to do, kind of like what Jeff was talking about with the zoo exhibit, like setting out from the beginning that the, the, this is not about you just like being a zoo exhibit and sharing your personal history. It's sharing genuine tips that you know, could help improve the clinical skill set from your, your own expertise. And you may have additional insight on that because of your lived experience, but that doesn't mean you have to give personal examples and, you know, people in the audience are not going to be allowed to ask you questions about your personal life and all that kind of stuff, but also setting out at the beginning and throughout the presentation, the expectations in terms of that diversity of thought, like the point of this panel or this presentation is to help us get a diversity of thought. And there may be things said in here that you don't have a history with or you don't agree with, but we're not here to argue about these things, sit with that discomfort and reflect on how you can take that information in and improve your practices. And really it's easier, I think at least so far on these virtual events to do that because in the chat, if people start going sideways, you can just shut them down <laughs> pretty quickly. Like, nope, we're not doing that. That is not happening here. Um, Whereas if you were at like a live event and somebody asked the question, it would be potentially more awkward. Uh, but you have to be committed to doing that. So like I, we were kind of planning a little bit before this and I'm potentially presenting at a conference in the fall and I will be um, presenting and chairing. It's kind of a panel-y type thing. And so I've got a committed action that I will be making sure that we're all working together to present the panel in the way that everyone wants to present it and that the audience understands that the purpose is not to engage in debate or argument just like we do with these difficult discussions right um and so if someone were to try to go down that route i would be prepared it might be uncomfortable but i would be prepared and i would check with the panelists beforehand who you know 
I don't want to step up and be like, I'll speak for you, right? No, I don't want to do that, but I will get the comfort level of each of the panelists. And like, if somebody says something, do you want me to step in? Do you want to step in? Like, we'll have a plan beforehand so that um, we're able to navigate those situations. But ideally so far in the conferences that I've attended where these things are happening, that hasn't been an issue because they lay out the expectations from the beginning and make sure that the audience knows like this is the purpose of why we're here and this is um this is for for everyone to hear different perspectives the last thing um and this kind of goes in the tokeny piece as well <sighs> when you're invite like i don't even know the best way to say this i didn't type up notes beforehand because i didn't have time and this is why i need notes because i just ramble but basically don't just host presentations because it's the cool thing to do, right? Um, if you're finding that you're, again, like people have already mentioned, like trying to showcase like how amazing what we do is and that kind of thing. And you're going to shut down any discussion around like the neurodiversity movement or uh, advocacy or the concerns about behavior analysis or any of that type of stuff. If that, if you're not open to those types of topics being brought up within the presentation, whether it's a panel or an invited presentation, whatever it is, then then you you should you should just not <laughs> just don't don't even bother having the presentation to begin with. Um, because that's not that's not beneficial to everyone and that that is going more down that performative route. So um, there's been some really great podcasts recently, especially from beautiful humans that I have found helpful. Jeff did one a few months, like, well, probably like six months ago at this point, um, too, actually on the neurodiversity movement. And then um, they just had Joy Johnson and a Joe Johnson. I don't think they're related. I couldn't really tell if they were joking or serious, but they have the same last name. <laughs> they, they said they're cousins, but I think they were joking. <laughs> um, Not related. Okay. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I don't pick up on those things well. Um, and they, but it's, it was a really excellent one about intersectionality, which is an area that I'm still learning a lot about myself too. So if you are responsible for planning conference presentations, I would also suggest like doing the work and learning more about um, those, the A, the neurodiversity movement to begin with and B, the factors around intersectionality and just making sure you're accounting for as much It'll never be perfect. There will always be feedback and like how you can improve and do it better the next time, but at least do the work on the front end and don't just like throw something together and then be like, oh, wow, we really messed up there. Um, so those are my thoughts. I know they were rambling, sorry about that. I'm gonna go ahead and go on to question number three. Um, oh, sorry, I did have one more thing. I, I have a tendency to sign up for a variety of different conferences. So this isn't from a planning perspective necessarily, but I've attended quite a few um, conferences that are autism related. And one of my favorite ones is the Milestones Autism Conference that's in Ohio. And it was virtual last year, it's virtual this year. And they've, they've done a really great job from, from my perspective as a neurotypical um, in showcasing and really giving opportunities for various present presentations ever for at least the last five years for people from the autistic community to share, you know, their expertise. And they, they're not just there, like, here's my life with autism. They're truly presenting on the areas of expertise that they have. And they're teaching about whatever those things are. So like Jeff, when he mentioned um, the presentation that he did on um, teaching 
that it was actually about a certain topic. And then he was asked about his personal life. Um, but these there, it's really well organized in my eyes, but then I've gone to other ones where it's like very clear that they it's, there was this one that I, I went to recently where it was like, they were like hand holding the person through presenting. And it was, it felt very much like a young child being put on display to like showcase their skill sets or something. Um, and it was so artificial and so fake. And I felt so bad for the person that was presenting. Um, and it, I just, so don't do that. I like, I don't like, it's not about like, oh, look at this cute little person that can do a presentation like that. Talk about dehumanizing. Like it was just absolutely ridiculous. So make sure you're not trying like do, doing like a token type thing in that way either, where it's like, let's um, give this person a 15 minute slot to like practice. I don't even know what the purpose of it was because anyway, I'm rambling. So that's the point. Don't just add presentations for the purposes of um, supporting your own, like your own, like little pet ideas, I guess. Cause that's what it felt like. The conference presenters had a pet idea. Wouldn't it be cute if one of our clients presented or something like that? And it was, it was just really awkward for everyone involved. So, all right. Question number three is our time to reflect. So, um, Mari or Jeff, do one of you want to go first? Um, basically for this one, you're just going to reflect on what someone said. So Jeff, Mary or myself, um, or Mari, sorry, all four of us. So when each of us talk, Mary obviously isn't going to reflect because she's not here, but um, Mari, you'll reflect on what Jeff, Mary, or I said, and Jeff, you'll reflect on what Mari, Mary, or I said. Um, if there's anything that you hadn't considered before, if there were any new aha moments, or if there's anything you maybe disagree with that you wanna point out as like, you know, Megan said this thing, but I, I think this is a better way to say that or a different thing to say, or, whatnot. Um, if it's okay, I'll go ahead and go first. Sure. Um, like, uh, and I don't, I, I don't feel like I have uh, really, like, I've basically loved and agreed with everything I've heard. Um, so I, I, I guess my kind of reflections are just going to be, uh, you know, stuff I I, I want to back up and just agree with. Uh, um, and I definitely agree with autistic people not being a monolith. Um, and it is not fair for you to expect any one autistic person to represent the entire community. Um, it's not fair on them and it's not fair on the community. Um, and so I, I really, really agree with that. Uh, Megan, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know how in the world I managed to, uh, do my own rambling kind of spiel and not mention the fact that, um, if somebody is getting paid, that is a part of whatever conference or session, um, and you are not paying the autistic people doing the exact same work, exactly the same amount then you are just exploiting people and you, you need to stop. Um, pay us for the work we do. We are not your free labor. Uh, if you value our expertise and skills, part of how you do that is by paying us the same amount as other people. Um, I'll share 
uh, cynical joke I heard early on in the advocacy movement of, um, you know, hey, what's the difference between a self-advocate and a presenter? The <laughs> uh, people expect, conference promoters expect the uh, presenters to demand getting paid. Um, it's, it's, we, we, we got to stop this. There's, there's few things that um, demonstrate uh, how you really view about somebody uh, when you do not view them as worthy to get paid for the work they do. Uh, and the final thing I wanted to say is uh, I wanted to second the plug uh, on the Beautiful Humans podcast about uh, the, the uh, I think they did three different sessions because ours got split into two. Um, you know, I, I loved that they gave us the opportunity to talk on those issues. And it is really important that you listen to the one that, uh, you know, they put together with Joy Johnson, uh, including the parts that involve criticism of me. Uh, I, I will own it. Um, this is a conversation where we have all got to do better with. And so I just wanted to second that. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for um, those kind of highlights that you touched on. I really wanted to just kind of further that what you were discussing earlier about that diversity um, of panelists, diversity of individuals, uh, because, you know, like like Jeff mentioned, and, and as I've mentioned before, we are not a monolith. Um, and I think it's important that neurotypicals outside of the autistic community realize that there is diversity and, and intersectionality, even within the autistic community that is still being worked on. Um, I think it's a process. Uh, it's kind of something that Jeff and I have, have had the, um, I guess, pleasure of getting to experience on some social media platforms, uh, because there are not very many people like me um, being indigenous and being autistic and being an analyst, a behavior analyst. So Sometimes I even step into those spaces um, and feel kind of like a, a, a doubly marginalized person. And so I'm, I have to be very careful even in my own community, whether it's the autistic community or the ABA community, because there are times when my culture has me not necessarily agreeing with either group. Um, and so I think it's important as Jeff was saying that we, we realize that there is so many there's so many layers to this onion um, that even within the autistic community, we're still unfolding and learning with, with each other. Um, and so it's kind of hard sometimes for me to step out and try to teach or advocate to the to the neurotypical world because I'm in this world trying to, you know, we're trying to figure it out for ourselves in our own community. Um, so I really appreciate that Jeff kind of touched on that. Um, and then I guess if I could make a suggestion is for those of you planning conferences, be aware of who else you're inviting. Be aware if these presenters may actually be kind of like oil and water for the autistic individuals that you're also inviting. Um, you know, presenters represent to the public uh, the notion that a conference may align or agree with what is being shared. Um, and so if there are some topics that are deeply traumatic to autistics and the, this idea of being invited to the same space where there will also be people who continue to promote or perpetuate harmful practices, 
you you want to be aware that that's in the very least insulting if not traumatic so i think there needs to be a, an awareness of who you're inviting when you when you have these conferences it's kind of like you know if you have a family reunion you're probably going to make sure that you don't invite the two aunts that really hate each other you know or you're going to find some way around this um, because you don't want to set these individuals up for having to maybe accidentally walk into a session that's talking about a very um, controversial topic um, and and how does that look for the autistic in their own community when they go back and they're like wow you were at this conference well they were also presenting about this you know and so it puts us in a, in between a rock and a hard place of having to explain because jeff and i have kind of talked about this as well like we're we're living in both worlds and there's times where we get crap from both sides um and so you know it's it's a it's just a tightrope that we are walking and wanting to continue to educate and 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 keep this dialogue open no matter how difficult it is um so don't put us in those positions where we have to basically tell our own community look i didn't betray you <laughs> i'm i'm not you know contradicting myself um so that's just something i would i would just kind of throw in there um and then Megan, I've, I've always appreciated um, your work. Um, I'm kind of like a passive follower. I see the stuff that she's doing um, and, and I would just say thank you um, for bringing up these difficult conversations. Like they need to happen and this is the only way that we're gonna grow. So I, I really appreciate that. Can I say something real quick? Yes. Is that allowed? Yeah. That the rules. I I just wanted to follow that up with um, that. I think that's an, such an excellent point of, you know, be mindful of what who else you're inviting. Um, and, you know, if you really want to hear from us, maybe maybe some people don't get invited, uh, like, you know, um, but 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 really what I wanted to say is um, like knowing that um be be prepared or at least be thinking through the fact that um there may be something that puts an autistic person in a position of needing to step out of a role at your conference because of the real or perceived traps that they're going to have participating because of stuff that um Mari just mentioned um and, and don't punish them for that. Um, that is that is something that has happened as well, is that because people needed to back out and gracefully backed out with enough time, um, they've also felt like they've lost opportunities to further present or gotten a reputation as being difficult just because probably they didn't wanna get in a situation where they're having to debate their own humanity um be prepared for that and understand that if you're going to have just a conference that's open to a whole bunch of people and if you're not really really helping that along people may need to nope out of it and make the space for that thank you jeff um for my reflection points i had one i had a lot but i'll pick two so one um was with uh, when Mari was first presenting and talking about the graduate school experience, um, just a lot kind of came up for me there of things I would not have considered 
in organizing a presentation that um, was really helpful to hear, especially, you know, the, the concern about, <laughs> so it's interesting because I actually experienced some of the same things that you were talking about, but for different reasons, because I didn't, when I was getting my doctorate, I didn't fall in line with what most graduate students would do. Um, so like I already had a career, I already was presenting at conferences, I already knew people. So I didn't do like the same thing all the other students were doing when we would go to conferences and stuff. And just for that, just because I had my own people <laughs> that I was hanging out with, I got shit on. Like, where have you been? Why are you not with our, you know, whatever? And it was like really, really stressful. And that was a very minor thing. And that was stressful for me. So um, I can only imagine the, like the crap you would have to deal with if, you were put in a position to present at a conference and share truthfully and honestly and openly and authentically your perspectives on our science and the things that need to improve and change and all of that kind of stuff, like how that could really interfere with your, the rest of your academic career. So we definitely need to be mindful of that. And I can't believe that didn't come up for me until you said it. So thank you for that. Um, and then with Jeff, um, also same thing like I was just trying to think about like these are the things I need to make sure I'm incorporating when I plan future events so it's just wild to me the idea that you were presenting on an actual topic and then people were asking you very personal questions about your life so that just you know made it clear to me that if I am organizing a conference and I hope it was clear for everyone else that like you would as a conference organizer set those ground rules with everyone ahead of time like this you know, okay, the floor is open for questions about <laughs> this topic, not not the personal life of the presenter. Um, and I, I was just trying to think about like, you know, I've presented, I don't know, oh, hundreds of times at this point, And I don't think anyone's ever asked me about my personal life, like whether or not I've taken drugs or have sex. <laughs> so it's just like, what? Well, have you ever given a professional conference and had just random comments about how nice your outfit is. Um, Cause that's probably in that. the same universe. Of, yeah, I have had that, but I think we're, it was we're, more We're talking like, about oh, a lack like of respect, dress. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, um, okay. So last question is, <laughs> sorry, Carrie said in the Facebook chat, Megan didn't fall in line, what? <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, the last question is just like, if there's any action items or take home points um, that you want to share before we do those real quick. I did want to just share a couple of the Facebook comments. So, um, Sarah really likes your, the stretchy thing that you had Mari. <laughs> um, and Kim said, Jeff, all of this is so very helpful. These things you're mentioning are being done and really need to be looked at and closely at closely and modified. Your points are great. Um, and I, I do, I just want to make sure that like, if you're listening to this and you're planning a conference that you're picking up or even if you may in the future be planning a conference that you're really picking up the different points that Jeff and Mari were making about things that need to be considered. Um, and Carrie also said, excellent point about recognizing the dynamics. That's when they were talking about like the different power dynamics that might exist. So um, there's been lots of other great comments on Facebook Live. So feel free afterwards to go check out the, the feed and see those comments. I just don't have time to read them all. So um, Jeff or Mari, do one of you wanna go first in sharing any action items or take home points? 
I guess I'm going to totally like violate the whole behavioral principles and tell you what not to do <laughs> a non-behavior. Um, don't invite us or any other marginalized groups to conferences or to be part of committees that are supposedly representing us or to join faculty or to join your, your team or your clinic. If you are truly not ready to listen, to understand, and you're not prepared to put in the work involved in changing our field's current direction and agenda. Just don't, if you're not ready for it, don't do it. Um, we're not a token to be sitting on a board or to be sitting in a faculty meeting um, with no real voice. Um, and if you know a few of us Audis, um, we tend to be very blunt, very honest, and just kind of say it like it is. So if you're not ready for those conversations and to, for that growth to happen, please don't ask us. Uh, yeah, and if you are asking us, uh, don't be surprised if you're asking us to participate and you want performative participation that makes you feel good and not our actual opinion and expertise, uh, don't be surprised when we burn the room down. We can do that. Um, you know, I, I think one of one of the strengths that we have is um, that an unfortunate reality of our lives is we've lived lifetimes of having most people we interact with not super like us. Not being life liked unfortunately tends to be an uncomfortable space for us and so um you know mess with us at your peril <laughs> uh that that sounds uplifting in a way to end uh, a conversation like this right um but you know i i will say just um the the time to platform and listen to and incorporate and build in at a ground level autistic and disabled feedback into the services that are provided uh, is 300 years ago. Um, the, the second best time is now. Um, so go do it. Um, make you ask yourself who is missing from the room here and why are they missing? Um, and, and take steps to correct that. Uh, and, and if you don't know, uh, if, if you're putting something on and you don't know, like autistic and or disabled adults, uh, whatever is most relevant that you can invite to speak credibly on a lot of these issues that should, that should raise a real red flag that you're not listening to the right people, uh, that you are not connected with and seeking feedback of knowing how to engineer, if you're assuming you're working for children, how to help those children realize good lives if you're never connecting with what their lives look like as adults. So um, just that could be a gut check if you're finding, I really want to invite autistic people to my conference and I have no idea how to do that because I don't know any. Well, start with that first. Excellent thanks so much. Points. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Those were all great. And Mari, I don't have anything to add. So my takeaway point will just be to do the things that Jeff and Mari said to do um, and maybe re-listen to this conversation a few times. So um, thank you everyone for joining us. We unfortunately don't have time to do conversation here live right now, 
mostly because I want to be mindful of Jeff and Mari's time, but also I'm really tired and this is just one of those nights <laughs> where I need to go to bed. So um, for those of you who are in the collective though, I will make a post about this, a thread tomorrow in case anyone wants to, add, if you have any questions or thoughts that you want to share and we can continue the conversation there. Very, very appreciative uh, for Jeff and Mari for, um, for participating tonight and helping us all learn how to, to navigate these things better. Um, and hopefully this was helpful for everyone that is currently or will in the future be planning to um, host conferences and you know looking at how they can incorporate these types of presentations. Thanks everyone, have a good night. Thank you.